9. And um, we're going to read uh, a little bit of a lengthy setting tonight. That's not my norm. It's not my typical way. I generally like to just pick out a few verses and go from there. But I want to read verses 1 through 8, kind of give you backstory, the background, the setting, the context of what's going on here. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1. Amen. Uh, again, let me say, let me say thank you to all who braved the elements tonight and to those who are listening online. Again, I do want you to know I appreciate you taking the time, putting forth the effort to be listening in. I feel like tonight is a very, very important message, and I hope that all of those who are not here are listening in, because I feel like they all need to hear what I've got to say tonight. Um, and so I'm going to try to preach my heart to you tonight. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly... There shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice. Hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Interesting what the scripture says in verse 7. And we're going to talk to you about this uh, tonight. The men which journeyed with Paul stood speechless because they heard a voice but they saw no man. They heard a voice, but they saw no man. Praise God. We're going to talk about that for a little while here tonight. If the Lord will help us, why don't you put your Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and lift our voices and let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Can we do that, everybody? Let's talk to the Lord for just a few moments here tonight.
of the Holy Ghost tonight. I've got to have your help, God. I can do nothing without you. And yet I know I can do all things through you if you'll just strengthen me. God, I pray that you'd speak to these lips of clay tonight. God, I surrender myself anew and afresh to the will of the Holy Ghost, wanting you to speak to this church. Lord God, I give myself to you totally, completely tonight. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Could we praise him one more time before we're seated? Everybody, let's give God some worship here. Let's give God some worship here. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I worship you, Master. I thank you, Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. I think to most of us, this story is familiar, and we know, for the most part, what was going on as Saul of Tarsus, as he was known at that time, was doing everything he believed was right. Saul was not persecuting Christians because he thought that he was doing something wrong. He believed that they were a cult that had come to overthrow the religion that had been handed to his forefathers uh, through Moses at the mount. And so he believed that these people really believed with all of his heart they needed to be stopped. And he had totally dedicated and devoted himself to that end. And it was as he was on his way to Damascus that God stepped in and put a stop to what Saul was doing. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't that God was just wanting to judge Saul. If we had been God, that's probably why we would have knocked him to the ground. We're, we're wanting to slap him around a little bit and say, stop all this nonsense. But God understood. God understood the integrity of Saul's heart. He meant well. Now that doesn't save people. Meaning well doesn't save people. But I am going to tell you this. The integrity of the heart does carry a lot of weight with God. It carries a lot of weight with God. And, and, and I'm telling you that God cares about what is motivating what we're doing. As much as he cares about what we're doing. That's another message for another night. But it can be both positive and negative. With King Abimelech, he intended to have a relationship with Sarah. But God said, I stopped you from doing it because I saw the integrity of your heart. I know you weren't wanting to commit sin. You were innocent in what you were doing. So he was about to do wrong and God stopped him because of his intention. But I want to tell you the other thing is true as well. We can be doing right and have the wrong intention. And God sees that as well. 
Hallelujah. Well, another message, another day. Hallelujah. Saul was doing what he believed to be right. And when the Lord appeared to him, it wasn't to reprimand or rebuke him, but it was to lead him into the way more perfectly. And so it was that something happened on the road to Damascus. God stopped Saul, as I said, not to rebuke him, but God stopped him because God had great plans for this man. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Did you hear what God said? God said, I'm telling you, Ananias, you don't be afraid of this man. I've got big plans for him. He's going to bear my name before the Gentiles. This is Acts 9. When did the Gentiles come into the church? Acts 10. This is before it ever happened. But God was already saying, I'm going to use this man. There's a door that's about to open. And i got to have the man ready when the door opens. i got big plans for him. But it's not only going to be for the Gentiles, Brother Chad. He said, I've got plans to send this man before kings. He's going to proclaim my name to kings. Hallelujah. Do you know that in one of Paul's writings, he spoke of they that were of Caesar's household. They had become apostolics. They had repented of their sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the apostle Paul bore this message before kings. God had big plans for this man. He had big plans for him. And what happened that day on the road to Damascus was a life-changing experience. But it was not only a life-changing experience for this man. It was also a major change for the kingdom of God. Well, hallelujah. It was a kingdom-altering experience for all of Christianity. When the apostle Paul was converted, I'm telling you, the church was never the same because of one man and his conversion. What happened at, at the, on the road to Damascus affected us and still affects us today. Two-thirds of the New Testament we have was written by this man. So much of what we know about living for God, so much of what we know about separation from the world, we learned it from this man as he wrote under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, when God converted that man on that road, he made an impact upon all of the kingdom of God. Because Paul did what he was commanded to do. We read it in our, in our text. Amen. When he began to ask, who art thou, Lord? And then in verse 6, he said, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, in chapter 26 of Acts, verses 15 through 19, 
Paul is relating his testimony and he gives us greater detail as to the conversation that took place between him and the Lord on the road to Damascus that day. Let's read from Acts chapter 26 verses 15 through 19. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But arise, arise. and stand upon stand thy feet. For thy I have feet. appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister a and minister. a witness both a witness. of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, uh-huh. delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles and unto now I speak send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me whereupon O King Agrippa I was not disobedient I unto was the not heavenly disobedient vision. to the heavenly vision here's what I want to tell you when the Lord appeared to Saul on the road that day whatever God told him to do he did it he responded to the heavenly vision it had an impact on him and he said I don't care what it cost me you understand he was most likely in line to become the head of the Jewish Supreme Court He had trained at the feet of Gamaliel, the most highly respected leader among the Jews. And there's a good possibility that Saul would have been the next Supreme Court Chief Justice, if you please. But he gave it all up because the Lord spoke to him. He gave it all up. He walked away from family. He walked away from friends. He walked away from positions. He walked away from titles. He was obedient to the heavenly vision. Hallelujah. And furthermore, we've already mentioned Ananias. The Lord also appeared to him and told him, Ananias said, I'm afraid of this man. I've heard about him. And and the Lord told him, don't be afraid. I've got great plans. And Ananias obeyed the vision that he had. But I want to talk to you tonight about something totally different. I want to talk to you about another aspect of all of this. Because you see, Paul and Ananias were not the only ones that were involved in this dramatic event. They were not two lone individuals. And nobody else was present. Let's go back and look at our text again. Start reading again in verse number 1, Acts 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogue, that if he found any of these way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, as he, journeyed he came near he came Damascus, near Damascus. And suddenly there suddenly shined round about him a light, about him, from, a light heaven, from heaven. And he fell to, he the, fell earth to the earth and heard a voice, he heard a voice to him, Saul, Saul, saying, Saul, why Saul, persecutest why thou, persecutest thou me? me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And so we've read this part of it. But I want you to go on down. I want you to look at verse 7. And the men which journeyed and with him stood speechless. And the men which journeyed with him. 
Church, let's think about something for a minute. Saul wasn't walking that road alone. Saul had others that were there that day. When this light shone from heaven and Saul fell to the ground, there were other men present when all of this took place. There were others there right in the middle of this heavenly activity. In fact, in both accounts of the book of Acts, where Paul gives his personal testimony, he mentions these other men. Let's look at Acts 22 and 9. And they that, and they were, with that me saw were with me, the they that were with me, saw indeed the light, and were afraid. And were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that in spake Acts twenty six verses thirteen and fourteen. At Midia, O King, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness. I saw a light of the sun shining the brightness round of the sun. about me, and then shining. Which listen to with this, me. shining round about me. And, and, shining right about me, which, and them, which, and journeyed, them journeyed which journeyed with me. I'm telling you that when Luke told the story, he mentioned the other men. When Paul told his testimony twice, he mentioned the other men. Paul was not the only person that was on the road to Damascus. We know what happened to Paul because of this event. But I want to ask you a question. What happened to the rest of the men? We know what Paul did. And we know what Ananias did. But what happened to the other men that were there? I don't read where they got converted. I don't read where they received the Holy Ghost. I don't read where they were ever baptized. I don't read where they ever became ministers of the gospel. Hello? I don't read any response out of these men other than they stood speechless. They stood there dumbfounded. They stood there wondering what to do. And the Bible says it was powerful enough. In fact, uh, we didn't finish that, did we? He said that, that, that this brightness above the brightness of the sun shone round about me and them which journeyed with me, verse 14... And when we were all, when we fallen, were all to the fallen to the earth. I'm telling you, this is all we know about it. We know that something happened, that they experienced something. It left them speechless and it knocked them to the ground as well. But I don't find where it affected them like it affected their leader. Why is it that Paul had such a dramatic conversion but none of them did? They were there at the same time. They were in the midst of the same experience. Now if you're asking me, I'm telling you there should have been about a dozen Saul's. We should have heard where these men also were converted. What's going to happen to you if you're walking down the road and all of a sudden a light brighter than the sun knocks you to the ground and you hear something what are you going to do about it? Well, evidently, these men did nothing. Why is it? Why is it that we find no response? Well, when we go back to Acts chapter 9, we find the answer. 
And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, speechless, hearing a voice, voice, but but seeing no man. This is what I want to preach to you for just a few more moments tonight. I want to preach to you about hearing but not seeing. These men heard a sound. They heard some kind of noise. They didn't recognize it based on the original language. They didn't understand that these were words being spoken. Maybe it sounded like thunder to them. I don't know what exactly they heard, but they heard something. But whatever it was they heard, they never saw what Paul saw. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am convinced that this heavenly vision that Paul had was the experience where he claimed later to have seen Jesus Christ. What did he say? 1 Corinthians 9 and 1. I am, not, am I not an apostle? Am I not an apostle? Am I not, am I free? not free? Have I not seen Have Jesus I not Christ? Seen our Lord? Jesus Christ? When did he see Jesus Christ? I'll tell you when. He saw him on the road to Damascus. What happened to Paul that day? He didn't just hear a sound. He didn't just hear a voice, but he saw a vision. He saw the Lord. He saw the one that was calling him. In fact, if you don't think that's what he saw, then maybe you ought to talk to Barnabas about it because here's what Barnabas said in Acts 9 verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto unto the apostles how he had seen the Lord in the way. way. Barnabas said what happened to, to Saul that day is that he saw Jesus. I am here to tell you that he saw Jesus. But the Bible specifically says the men that journeyed with him heard a voice but saw no man. Here's what I'm telling you. They heard what Paul heard, but they never saw what Paul saw. And the difference between his conversion and their lack of conversion all hinged on the fact that they never got the vision that Paul got. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you that something needed to happen. They had to get an accompanying vision. It's not enough to just hear about it. It's not enough to just say amen when it's talked about. But somebody has got to get the same vision that the leader gets. That's right. I wish somebody would help me out tonight. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this. Where there is no vision. Where there is no vision. The people perish. Where there is no vision. But he that keeps Where there is no vision. Are you hearing me tonight? Where there is no vision, the people perish. New life, listen to me. It's not enough when I preach like I did this morning and tell you God is going to keep his promises and God's going to fill this church. It's great that you say amen. It's great that you stand to your feet. But I'm here to tell you that's not enough. Just hearing it is not enough. But somewhere along the way, you've got to let God give you this same vision. You've got to see it with your own eyes. 
Thank you, Sister Trish, for your testimony the other night. Thank you for letting God speak to you in the night and show you what he wants to do around here. I want to see many, many more that have got the same testimony. I want to see many more that are standing up saying, I had a dream the other night or I was at prayer and God gave me a vision. Oh, hallelujah. Something's got to happen, church. There's got to be a desire on our part that it's more. It's more than just hearing it. It's more than just saying amen. Is anybody going to help me tonight? I'm only going to preach a couple more minutes. I'm nearly done. But I want to make sure you get a hold of what I'm telling you tonight. Something has to happen. There's got to be a desire down on the inside of you that says I'm not content just to shout amen. I'm not content just to say I agree with it. I'm not even content just to believe it. But God, I want to see it for myself. not enough to hear what I say. It's not enough to feel what I feel. You got to see what I see. Hallelujah. I'm telling you in this example on the Damascus road there were two who had a vision and they are the two who made a difference. A crowd heard it, but Saul and Ananias saw it. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching tonight, church. Something's got to transpire down inside of our spirit. It is not enough. I want you to believe it. I want you to be convinced of it. I want you shouting amen. I want you on your feet when I preach it. I want you to believe it to the depths of your soul. But I want it to go beyond that. I want some of you to see it for yourself. I want God to open your eyes. I talked about this morning how God sees this church right now. I want you to see it that way. I want you to see it that way. Well, praise God. I've talked about miracles and signs and wonders. I've talked about what God wants to do in this place. It's not enough that you're shouting amen. I want you to see it. I want God to give you dreams. I want God to give you visions. I want you to get hungry. I want you to start fasting and praying, God, give me this vision. Without a vision, the people perish. They perish. You know, it took a vision for the door of the Gentiles to open. Acts chapter 10. We know, hang on just a second. We know, we know. In fact, back up to verse number 1. We know this part of the story. Acts 10, beginning with verse 1. There was a certain man man in Caesarea Caesarea called Cornelius, Cornelius, a centurion centurion of the band of the Italian band. The Italian band. A devout man. He was a devout man. 
and one that feared, feared God, with, God all his house, with all his house, which gave much, alms, gave much alms to, to the, the people, people and, and prayed, prayed to God always. Now listen to verse 3. He saw, he saw in a vision. In a vision. He saw in a vision. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, the door to the Gentiles began to open when somebody got a vision. But it didn't stop with just Cornelius. He's not the only one that got a vision. Go down now to verses 9 through 13. On the morrow. On the morrow, the very next day. As they went, as they went on their on journey. Their journey and draw nigh unto the city. Uh-huh. Peter went up Peter the house went up to the to housetop and started praying about the sixth hour. And he became very he became hungry, hungry and would have He eaten. wanted to eat. But while they made ready, while they made ready he fell, he into, fell a trance, into a trance and saw and heaven open. Saw. Everyone say he saw. saw. Everyone say he saw. saw. He saw heaven open. And a certain and vessel, a certain descending, vessel unto him, descending unto him, as it had been a, great, had been a great sheet knit, knit from the four corners. We know this story. I don't have to go through all the detail. Here's my point. I'm telling you when the door opened, it was when there were two visions that were given. The vision went to the leader and it went to the people. And when both of them had a vision, the door opened. Well... I'm preaching to you tonight, church. It's not enough for it to be my vision. It's got to be your vision. This door is ready to open to us. We can feel the Holy Ghost pulling at it. We can hear the hinges starting to creak. We know what God is trying to do, but something else has got to take place. It's got to stop being just my vision, and you got to get this vision. It can't just be Pastor Riggins vision. It's got to be the saints vision. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great revival came. In fact, revival that has continued for 2,000 years. The door to the Gentiles is still open today. And the revival still goes on today. But when did it happen? It happened when both the leader and the people had a vision. That's right. Amen. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I'm preaching my heart to you tonight. I'm telling you something has got to happen to us. Something has got to take place. We are too content with just being saved. Oh, if I can just be saved, if I can just get to heaven. No, 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 no. Look, you ought to have that settled. That's right. That ought to be a done deal in your mind. I will be saved. No devil in hell is dragging me out of church. That's settled. Now, let my vision go higher than me just barely creeping through the pearly gates. Let my vision go and see a city of 130,000 people suddenly receiving an open door and lost souls feeling drawn to a place. 
Let's catch a vision tonight of the sick knowing that there is a place over there on, on Monticello Terrace where if I can just get there, God's going to heal my body. Oh, let's get a vision of a place where those whose marriages are falling apart will realize if I can just get there, there's something happening at that place where God is putting homes back together. Come on, church. I'm trying to cast my vision tonight. I'm trying to lay it out before you. But you've got to do more than hear it. You've got to do more than just hear it. You've got to see it. I would to God that some of you would get so hungry for this that you could not even go to bed at night without getting down on your knees and saying, God, let this be the night. Speak to me in a dream. Let me see it for myself. I'm telling you, once you see it, you'll never be the same. What keeps driving me? What keeps pushing me? Brother Thompson, in good times and bad times, difficulties, trials, battles. When I walk in, people that should be here, I'm not talking about weather and sickness. I'm just talking about they just decided they didn't want to come tonight. I look around. They're just not here. What keeps me coming and keeps my faith high? I'll tell you what it is. More than 20 years ago, God gave me a vision. And it's that vision that keeps driving me. I'm not seeing what my natural eyes see tonight. I'm not seeing, amen, just the things that I can focus on physically tonight. But I'm telling you, there is a place that God showed me. There were things that God revealed to me. And somewhere down the road, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. I know God's going to do it. Because I've seen it. Oh, is there anybody under the sound of my voice that can get a real desperation and say, God, I'm tired of just showing up. I'm tired of just filling up a pew. God, I want that vision that's going to drive me. I want that vision that's going to transform me. I want that vision that just makes me want to do something different when I come to church. I'm telling you, you get this vision. You get a vision of what God wants this church to be. And you're going to have a hard time just sitting on the pew doing nothing. You're going to have a hard time sitting through the song service and not raising your hands and not worshiping when you really get the vision. And I know many of you do it, but I'm just telling you, something changes. When you see what God is trying to do with us, something changes in you. And you're not content. And you're not satisfied to just go home on a Sunday night and say, man, we had a good song service. Boy, the Holy Ghost moved. I really felt God moving. No, 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 that's not enough. I'm thankful for it. 
I, I'm telling you, I come down and thank God each each time we've had church. I'll be in I'll be in His house the next morning. I'll be talking to Him and I'll be thanking Him. Lord, thank you for the way you moved last night. Thank you, Lord God, for being here. But listen to me, church. That's not enough. And I don't stop with just thanking Him for the way He moved because there's something in me that's not satisfied. I go back and remind Him again, Lord. I appreciate what you did, but that's not what you showed me. I'm not satisfied with a couple of people running the aisles. I'm not satisfied with a couple of people dancing a little bit. I'm not satisfied with young people having to be pulled to run. Come on, New Life Youth Group. I'm telling you, you've got to get this vision. You've got to understand. You need to be the leaders in worship. Don't wait on anybody else. Get in here and back the preacher. Get in here and back the singers. Give it everything you've got. Get the vision. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on, saints of God. I'm telling you, we got to get beyond just existing and just surviving. We got to have a vision of something greater. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. I'm thankful for this building. I'm thankful for all the hard work that went into the remodeling and how much, how much uh, everything is is so beautiful and 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 i'm thankful for all of the sacrifices but please hear what i'm saying to you i'm getting tired of being in this building i'm getting tired of this building being able to accommodate the crowd are you hearing what i'm saying do you understand my heartbeat tonight? I'm thankful for it. But I'm just telling you, I'm not nearly satisfied. I'm being driven. I'm being driven. There is something in me that just keeps pushing me and pushing me. And it says, no, no, this may be nice, but this is not where we need to be. This is not where we need to be. When some old spirit can slip in and start binding up the people of God. I'm telling you, God's got greater things for us than that. When we come in sick and go home sick, God's got greater things for us than that. When we come in and sinners show up and they go home still lost, God's got greater things for us than that. And I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. Why? Because I've seen better things. I've seen bigger things. I've seen greater things. And I cannot be satisfied until I experience what I've seen. God said, Saul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. That's what he said in the beginning. But you know where Saul went in the beginning? He went to the children of Israel. Because that's where everybody was going. That was the end thing in Pentecost. I mean, Peter really got out on a limb by going to Cornelius' house. And God did say to Saul, that I'm going to send you to the children of Israel. That was part of his calling. So he wasn't out of the will of God in doing it. 
But they rejected him and fought against him and tried to kill him and argued with him. And yet, you know what he did? When they threw him out of one city, he didn't give up. He said, all right, let's go find another city. Why? Why are you this way, Saul? I'll tell you why. Because I've seen greater things. When the Lord appeared to me, he told me there was something more than just rejection. He told me there was something more than just being thrown out of town. He told me there was something more than people throwing rocks at me. He told me there was something more than the stripes I was going to take on my back. When God appeared to me, he gave me a vision of something so much greater. And when it got to the Gentiles and started having revival, some of them fought against him. Some of them tried to stop him, but he didn't quit. He just kept going. You know why? Because God also said, one day I'm going to take this message to kings. I hadn't got there yet, but I've seen it. And I can't quit until I see everything. The Bible says, the Bible says that at one point in Paul's incarceration, they told him, they said, we would have let you go, but you've appealed to Caesar. You could be a free man right now, but you've asked to stand before the emperor. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I could be a free man right now, but if I did, I'd miss out on what God showed me in the beginning. I got to go to Caesar. I got to go to Caesar. I'm not appealing to Caesar because I think he's going to hear my case and forgive me. I'm not appealing to Caesar because I think he's going to throw the thing out of court. No, no. I got to go to Caesar because I got to tell him, Caesar, you got to repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. God told me I was going to preach to kings and I can't stop until the vision is fulfilled. Right. Church, this is why I'm telling you, it's great that you say amen. It's great that you believe it, but it's not enough. If you can ever get the vision, you won't be satisfied That's right. amen. with anything less than what you saw. I'm going to come to a close. Sister Becca, you can come. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Be followers of me, even as I also am. M of Christ. You know that word followers? The Greek word is actually disciples. That's what he said. <coughs> now, now look, I'm, I'm not trying to nitpick and I'm not trying to split hairs and, and this is not just about semantics. But this, this verse is often misquoted or at least not quoted accurately because most people say that what Paul wrote was Follow me as I follow Christ. Now that may be the gist of the message, but those are not his exact words. He said, be followers of me. Be disciples of me. Be mimics of me. There is a difference between following someone and mimicking them. Can you help me for a minute? 
I just want you to just kind of walk around the front here and, you know, once in a while say something, point to the crowd and, and, and get a message across, all right? All right, all right. Now, let's try that one more time, all right? You don't have to say the exact same words just in case you forgot, but I followed him, right? I followed him. Now, I want you to do it again. Here's my point. Here's my point. Thank you. Here's my, there is a difference between following and mimicking. And Paul didn't just say, follow me. He said, I want you to look at me and I want you to do exactly what I'm doing. I want you to see what I see. I want you to hear what I hear. I want you to repeat what I'm repeating. I want something to happen. I want you to be my disciple just like I'm a disciple of Christ. New life. I've been trying for more than 20 years to explain to you what I've seen. To tell you what I've seen. I've stood behind this pulpit and I've shared bits and pieces. And you've said amen. And you've stood to your feet. And I believe you believe it. But I'm convinced it's got to go to a new level now. Something else has to happen besides you just saying amen to what I'm saying. But you've got to see what I'm seeing. You've got to let it affect you the way it's affected me. You got to get a hold of this vision to the place that every service is important to you. Everything that goes on is vitally crucial because I got to see this dream come to pass. I don't want to miss unless I absolutely have to because I don't know what night that dream might start being fulfilled. I'm not going to wait on others to start worshiping because I want to get this church to the place it needs to be in our level of worship and praise and adoration. I'm not going to wait on others to get their miracle. I'm coming after mine. There's a desire in my heart because there's a vision in my spirit. I've seen what God wants to do. And I cannot be satisfied until it happens. Let's stand tonight. First Corinthians 11 and 1, he said, Be followers of me. Be mimics of me. Be my disciples. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15 and 16, we've got a couple more verses there very quickly, brother. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15 and 16. Here's what he says. 
For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Even though you've Christ, got 10,000 instructors in Christ. Yet have ye not many you fathers. You don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus. I have begotten, begotten you through the gospel. the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you. Wherefore I beg you. Be ye followers of me. Be my disciples. Be my disciples. Learn to do it just like I do it. Learn to see just what I'm seeing. He said the same thing. He said the same thing to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 7. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we... You know how to follow us. Read. For we behave we for we not, behave not ourselves, ourselves not disorderly or disorderly among you. We among we you. didn't we, we didn't we didn't behave ourselves disorderly. You know how to act. Why? Because you've watched. You've watched the example we've set before you. Do you know what he's talking about, church? Do you understand what he's saying? It's not enough to say amen. It's got to become part of who you are. In fact, in fact, we've all heard Hebrews 13 and 7, at least part of it. But there's more to this verse than just the first line. And the first line is what most of us can quote. But there's something beyond that first line that I want to show you. Hebrews 13 and 7 says this. Remember them Remember which them have the which rule have over you. Who have spoken, spoken unto you the word, you the word of, God. of God. Listen to this. Whose faith, whose faith follow, follow. Considering the end. Whose faith follow. What they believe, you believe. What they see, you see. Hallelujah. I'm not looking tonight. At empty pews. I'm not looking tonight at people barely hanging on. I'm not looking tonight at people that are struggling in their walk with God. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a vibrant congregation that is packed. I'm looking at people that can't even find a good place to sit. I'm looking at people that are so on fire for God. They're bringing people to church every week. I'm telling you what I'm seeing. You want to know why I see that? It's not wishful thinking. It's a vision. It's a vision. A vision that God gave me. And if you can see that vision and see yourself in that vision, it will forever change the way you live for God. Let's lift our hands and talk to him right now.